I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, literally the legend, Howard Beck. Today, we're going to talk about Jason Kidd. We're going to talk about the Mavs, Mavs offseason, and everything coming up here in a second. And this is locked on Mavericks Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Welcome to Locked On Mavs. My name is Isaac. I'm one of your co-hosts here on the pod. I'm from Mavs.com. And our other co-host, Nick Angstead, has taken the week off for vacation. Much needed break from vacation. But I just want to tell you, we have a full week lined up. I have uh, We have some uh, first-time guests a couple of days this week that I'm sure you guys, I know you guys will enjoy this week. It's starting today with Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. We have some uh, reoccurring guests that's happening this week. We have a What If Pod on Wednesday. So uh, exciting week ahead at Lockdown Mavs. But today... It's Howard Beck Day. If you've been following the NBA for a long time like I have, you know Howard Beck is one of the staples with NBA coverage and content. I uh, listened to him at Bleacher Report, read him uh, when he covered uh, in L.A. and covered in New York, New York Times. And Howard Beck is a legend, so uh, super thankful for him to hop on the pod today. He's a senior writer at Sports Illustrated. He's a co-host of the Crossover Pod with Chris Mannix. And we talk about a lot of different things today, a lot of fun stuff. We talk about KP in his New York days. We talk about Jason Kidd in his New York days since Howard uh, was covering. Uh, he covered the Knicks, covered the Nets there for a bit. We talk about Luka and KP. Uh, we talk about the Mavs offseason, kind of what he had heard the Mavericks were, was going to do, what he thought that Mavericks would do this offseason. And then a little bit on Larry Markinen and Dragic. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun, it's a fun pod for myself as I have uh <laughs> Followed Howard for uh, many years in his work and podcasting and writing. So I enjoyed uh, having uh, or doing this pod with Howard. And this pod is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. So without further ado, let's hear from Howard Beck. Howard Beck, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for that uh, kind intro. Um, I'll live up to at least one of the three titles you gave me. I, 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 it says man somewhere, like on my, maybe not my birth certificate. I, I can qualify for that part. The myth and the legend part, like it, it keeps the different degree of difficulty just kept increasing over the course of that. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to fulfill as much of that description as I can. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for hopping on. Nick, uh, our co-host, is uh, taking some time off. And I was like, I texted Nick and he was super jealous because I'm like, hey, I, I'm bringing on Howard Beck is so gracious to hop on and join us and talk about the Mavs. Howard Beck, you did you spend eight to nine years with the New York Times? It's around nine, there, 10 years? Yeah, nine years with the New York Times, most of that covering the Knicks and then one not even full season covering the Nets before I went back to the Knicks. Okay. I, that's when I start. I started reading all of your work. Then you went to Bleacher Report. I listened to the full 48. Appreciate and it. then now, now you're at SI, you're at the you're hosting the co-host and the crossover with Chris Mannix doing awesome stuff, senior writer at Sports Illustrated. So honestly, this is, this is one of my favorite podcasts we're ever going to do. So Thank you. Appreciate that. you, you are like a, when I think about the New York sports scene, I think about Howard Beck and the Mavericks made obviously a big hire this offseason, bringing bringing back 
Jason Kidd. We know about Jason Kidd, the player. When I ask, or when I say Jason Kidd, the coach, what do you think about? Um, it's hard to just like I can't separate Jason Kidd from Jason Kidd, the player or coach or the name, just from the reputation. I think Jason Kidd, and I think polarizing. Um, you know, if we start creating categories for him, when we talk about Jason Kidd, the player, absolute genius, just incredible talent, was so much fun to watch. Um, you know, I started covering this league when I was covering the Lakers from 97 through 04. So I saw various versions of him then, right? With the Suns playing against the Lakers, with the Nets facing the Lakers in the finals. Um, and then I come to New York, he's still with the Nets. I'm covering the Knicks primarily, but you know, I'm seeing, you know, when Knicks and Nets are playing. So I've, I've gotten to see a fair amount of him and he's just such a brilliant basketball mind as a player and, and an orchestrator and everything else. And so there's that piece of it. And then he finished his career with the Knicks. And that was the year that I got pulled from the Nets to go back to the Knicks. Right. So I'm covering the Nets, their first season in Brooklyn, 2012-13. And then the novelty of that wore off a little bit for, for fans and for my editors. And the Knicks were suddenly surging in part because of Jason Kidd. And it was their best season by far in years and is still their best season all these years later. That still uh, is their high mark for the last you know 20 years. So I got pulled back. And I got to watch the tail end of, of that. But Jason at that time is really starting to, to ebb. He's like 40 years old and, and there's just, he's got nothing left. He's just shot. Um, and then Jason, the coach. So he immediately jumps to the nets. You know, that was such a bizarre one year tenure, right? Like, first of all, in this league, very rare for a coach to only last one season with a team anyway. Although I think Mo Cheeks once made it to like mid-season with the Pistons before he was fired. That was uh, bizarre on another level. But, you know, Jason Kidd has a knack for and a long history of burning bridges as a player, as a coach. And it happened in Brooklyn. And he forces his way to Milwaukee. And checkered tenure there, I would say, at best. And there's a reason that he was out for a little while before the Lakers picked him up as an assistant. There's a reason there's been a long gap between his time as a head coach in Milwaukee to the present where the Mavericks decided to hire him. And I'm not going to say the Mavericks were the only team that would hire him, but I think it's possible the Mavericks were the only team. Because of his history there, they have a different kind of understanding. And I think from Cuban's standpoint, a fondness for Jason Kidd and a respect for him, I think the rest of the league, it, would view him with some skepticism, a healthy skepticism based on his rocky tenures in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Yeah, I guess that that was my next question for you is, was there another team, would there be another team outside of Dallas that would have kind of stepped in and said, hey, we'll we'll take the chance on you again as a coach? Because the fan base, I feel like the fan base right now is, is pretty split. It is, there's one camp of saying, hey, considering everything off the court, why would you take the chance on a, on a guy like Jason Kidd, considering also his coaching tenure in Milwaukee and Brooklyn. how Why is that happening? You have another side of the fan base that's saying, man, people can change. People can change off the court. People can change as a coach. They can get better. Uh, and there's this tension right now between the fan base. So if you were a Mavs fan, like how would you feel about this hire? Would you go the nostalgia route and say, hey, I think – a guy can get better as a coach over the years, despite even like Miran Fader's, you know, excerpts from her book coming out about the Milwaukee days. You know, that's riling up the fan base again, too. I, 
it's just it's wild how a fan base can be so split right now on the Jason Kidd hire. Yeah, and listen, I mean, I think I used the word polarizing a few minutes ago. So there you go. Like, you know, Mavs fans themselves, who as as fans of the franchise, probably have nothing but fond memories of Jason Kidd, the player, right? He's he's an intrinsic part of, of the lone championship team. There's nothing to dislike about the idea of a Jason Kidd homecoming until you start drilling down into the, de the details. So um, I could see why fans would be split. I could see why not just the fan base might be split 50-50, there might be individual fans who within themselves are conflicted about yeah. it. it. And it would be absolutely understandable and justifiable. I think to the extent that fandom is often about some blind faith or wishful thinking, because that is, that's a lot of, that's a large part of it, right? You talk yourself into it. Like, you know, we'll get to Porzingis later, but right now, if you're a Mavs fan, there might be some percentage of Mavs fans who are just ready to just like jettison him entirely. But I think the majority, if I were to guess, and obviously I'm just guessing uh, from New York here, I would guess the majority are like, nah, man, we could still see that guy who played in New York. We could, he could still fulfill this contract. He could still be that number two to Luca that we so badly need because that's fandom. And then the second Porzingis is on another team, you're going to be like, man, I'm glad we got like, even as wishful mm -hmm. as you might be about what he could be for the Mavericks and as optimistic as you might be the second, he's not yours anymore. It's like, yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> um, that, that's fandom. Um, with kid, I think, you know, I would probably fall into the, the um, wishful thinking group that look, he had his moments. And if you want to, if you want to find the positives in his Milwaukee tenure or his Brooklyn tenure, even you can find them. Terrible start in Brooklyn, but then they had a dominant like last three months of the season. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. They lost to the Miami Heat, who won the championship that year. In Milwaukee, he inherits a young team, a, a, franchise, that, a franchise that had been utterly irrelevant. And they make, I think, like a 26-win improvement or some massive leap. And then it sets the bar really high, and they can't match it, and they start to, to struggle. But they had a really young roster. And look. Malcolm Brogdon becomes rookie of the year on his watch. Chris Middleton goes from an obscure second round pick to a really good player on his watch. Giannis kid was the one who said, let's put the ball in Giannis's hands and let him play point guard or point forward or point something. So you can find the positives there. If I'm going to continue on the, the, you know, let's, let's find the glass half full route. I'd say, okay. And now he's had those two learning experiences as a guy who never was an assistant coach, who basically took his Knicks jersey off one day and threw on a suit to coach the Nets the next day. He had those experiences. They definitely were rocky. There's plenty to criticize. There's plenty that's worth criticizing. But he's also now had a couple of years away from the bench. He's had a couple of years as an assistant coach on a championship team in L.A. And to learn along with, you know, you know Frank Vogel and Lionel Hollins and that whole staff. He arrives in Dallas in 2021, presumably a more qualified head coaching candidate. And mm -hmm. if he's not, if he hasn't learned from any of his, of his uh, experiences, if he hasn't evolved, we're going to know it pretty quick. I'll, I'll, I'll throw in one last piece of, of optimism. And all of this is with the caveat that I'm trying to build the optimistic case, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I were a Mavs fan, if you're asking me to put on the hat and, and put on my MFFL jersey for a minute, if I had one, <laughs> Um, it I'm hoping for all these outcomes. And the last uh, piece of that is that, and he told me this in a sit down a few years ago after he'd been fired from the Bucks, that there was criticism of him and an observation that he was terrible with a young team. Like his style, his, his old school approach, his kind of his harder edge, his demanding style was just not going to 
be the best fit for a young team. And that's ultimately why he lost that locker room and that perhaps he would be better with a veteran team as he had in Brooklyn and as he pretty much has now in Dallas. So that's the last piece of, of wishful thinking, optimism, whatever, spin this hat, glass half full stuff is, hey, veteran team. Yeah, Luca's really young, but I mean, Luca, Luca plays like a ten-year veteran, right? The, yeah. Like Jason Kidd can teach Luca quite a bit about being a lead guard on a championship-level team. Sure, of course, he's Jason Kidd; he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but he doesn't have to teach him from from day one. He doesn't have to. Uh, he's not. He's not some project. He's not some young raw talent. He's fully formed. He's an MVP candidate already. So. As young as he is, and as a couple other pieces may be, this is this is pretty much a veteran team. This might be the better fit for him than that very young Bucks team he had a few years ago. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Nico Harrison and KP. I want to hear Howard Beck and what he has to talk about with uh, Christoph Porzingis from his New York days and in Dallas. Okay, guys, we have to talk about it. It's never fun to talk about, but you you have to talk about it. Because sweating, it's just part of life. Sweating when you are working out, that's that's one thing. But when you are working or maybe when you go on a date night, you don't want to worry about sweating. And this is where sweat block comes into play. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. It works up for up to seven days per use. Seven days. Not the, not the ring like creepy movie, the ring seven days. But it's seven days per use. Dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, get your money back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show. Let's go by Firefighters. Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews manufactured in the USA. If you want to wear what you want to wear and walk out of your door with confidence that you won't be sweating in your armpits, get 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. I also have to tell you about bet online AG. It's the time for the NFL. If you're like me, you love the NBA, but you're also playing fantasy football and bet online is the place to be. See, Nick's not here and I can just rhyme all of it and be super corny because I can make dad jokes but as uh, as always bet online that's the place you want to be for all of your betting get all updated odds props contest including online's biggest half million dollar nfl mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open now at bet online head to the website use your mobile device sign up today to receive your 100 welcome bonus football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games do you want to be like bob ball garris here you go bet online ag your online sportsbooks experts promo code locked on okay howard what have you heard around the league as far as nico harrison just his hire just his addition to the mavericks what what has been the buzz about that i mean you know i'm not gonna tell you anything different than what you've probably already heard but He's universally liked and respected for all of his time at Nike and has great relationships. Um, I always want to say like, and, and you know, and like a, you know, a great Rolodex of all the movers and shakers, but like nobody has a Rolodex anymore. Like I, I think <laughs> you probably don't even know what a Rolodex is. Like everybody I know what it is, but I've never had one. I actually had a couple of them back in the day because I'm just that old. <laughs> but like, we got to stop making people, my generation have to stop making Rolodex references to define somebody who's well-connected. Like, I don't know what the equivalent of a full iPhone contact list is. There's no, we need another word is my point. Yeah. Um, he's well-connected. 
And that can matter. Um, but I think there's a lot of wait and see. Like, yeah, really sharp, knows the game, well-connected, well-liked, but he's never run a team before. And and that's it, not the same as being a you know marketing guy for a shoe company. And I don't want to diminish his accomplishments there by any stretch and, and, and saying it that way, but it's it's a different job. And we have this question every time somebody makes an unconventional hire in the front office. Um, Leon Rose making the jump from agent to Knicks team president. Uh, Bob Myers and Neil O'Shea made those jumps, but like they had an apprenticeship. Bob Myers was on the war in the Warriors front office for a year or, or maybe a little more before he became head of basketball ops. Neil O'Shea was under Mike Dunleavy with the Clippers before he assumed the top job there. And so there's a learning curve and it can be steep. And it's a tough job and it's a really complex job. And it's much more complex than it was even five, 10 years ago, certainly than 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, just knowing talent and recognizing talent isn't enough. Recognizing the kind of talent that will help sell shoes versus the kind of talent that helps win games isn't enough. Um, and when you already have a superstar, when you already have one of the best players in the league in Luka Doncic, you know, like the, you could think that, well, the hard part is, is over. It's actually the reverse. Like, yes, it's really, really hard to get those guys because there aren't that many of them, given. But the hard part is once you've got supreme talent, finding the right pieces around them, because you can have a great one-two punch and lose. You can even have a, a big three and lose or just not make it to the championship or not make it to the second round or third, whatever it may be. You've got Luca. You've got a head start. Finding a second star if it's not Chris Stapps, finding a third star, if you can get one, finding the right role players. And we just saw in this offseason how difficult that is, right? Like, yeah, they're pretty much the same roster. Like, there are a couple minor changes, but you glance at the depth chart and it's, it looks pretty familiar. It's hard. And so that's where um, your ability to understand how talent fits together comes into play. Not just recognizing talent, the right talent. Everybody, you know, it's 450 players. They all got a level of talent. Finding the right talent, finding the right fit the right coach. Um, all of that matters. Uh, salary cap stuff, sports science, uh, your medical staff, everything. All of that is the domain of the team president or GM. And so it's a complicated job. So you can, you can respect and like Nico Harrison and still say, but, but jury is out. Um, and I think that's the fair way to, to, to view it right now is that he's an inexperienced GM who's, who's going to be learning on the job while having to manage you know, let's face it, some fairly high expectations because of who their star is. Super high expectations year one for Nico Harrison and, and Jason Kidd. So for Porzingis, you covered the Knicks like you referenced at the beginning of the pod. And we're, what, three years, a few years out from him tearing his ACL against that. You know, They're playing the Bucks in the Garden, yeah. I think. Right. And tears his ACL. Everything that's happened since then of coming to Dallas, the max contract. And now what we joke on this podcast that, hey, take a drink every time you hear the Mavericks say, hey, it's the first healthy offseason he's going to have. And it, you know, because everyone is saying that right now, but it is the truth. It is. And if they do get a fully healthy KP, I just want to ask you, you've seen him play up close so many times. Could you give a reminder of just how good Christoph Porzingis was before that ACL tear? Yeah, I mean, caveat here is that, you know, my my Knicks beat writing days ended in 2013, which feels like a long time ago now. Um, when I left the, the Times to go to Bleacher Report, I, you know, became a national writer. And so I, 
I wasn't at every Knicks game, was not covering them on a daily basis. So I didn't, I didn't have like that, that same level of exposure, but I went to a fair number of games and I would just say this, there's a reason that, and I think it was his rookie year that Kevin Durant, then of the Oklahoma city thunder, um, I believe, uh, referred to Porzingis as a unicorn. There's a reason like we, we throw around that unicorn label a lot now, but he was the first one that got that. And Durant dubbed him that because here was this guy who was seven, three could shoot the three, could put the ball on the deck, could block shots. Um, just had this amazing skill set for a big, and we're starting to get spoiled because of Embiid and Giannis and Jokic and all these seven footers who are all like very different in their makeup, but all have these new age skill sets that we weren't used to seeing in big men. Um, Porzingis is not at the level of those guys right now. When he first arrived, I think everybody believed that he had the potential to have that, and maybe he still does. Injuries have been part of it. The ACL and then, you know, the uh, was it was a meniscus a year ago. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and this is his first his first, you know, full <laughs> off season being healthy. I get it. You're right. It matters. It can be it can be a cliche and still matter. Yeah. It's relevant. It is relevant. And besides that, as you and Mavs fans know, um, when he's been at his best like that, that's been pretty devastating as a one two punch. He's been pretty damn good when he's been healthy in stretches. Can he stay healthy? Can he sustain it? I will say one of my first personal observations about him and seeing him at the garden when he was a rookie was, man, like he, he's like you, he looks seven, three. He's like mm. this wiry kind of like, I, I hate to compare. Well, I won't make the comparison. Um, He just looked gawky at times is, is what I'll say. His gait seemed a little gawky. He didn't have that, like, there's a big difference between being a virtual seven footer Giannis who's 6'10, 6'11 versus being a true seven footer and actually over that, which is Porzingis at seven, three in the way you move. Like Giannis is fluid, right? Even Embiid sometimes he puts the ball on the deck, even with all that bulk Embiid looks more fluid. Porzingis doesn't look that fluid. Even when he was healthy, mm. he just moves a little strange. And so I always thought I, I don't, I would I would worry, you know, there's a long history in this league, of course, of seven footers with foot problems and, and lower extremity issues. And remember, Phil Jackson uh, at one point was, if not actively trying to trade Porzingis, there's disputed uh, versions of that. But he was at least listening. And there was some concern, I think, within the garden that injuries might uh, come into play because of his size and the way he moved. And when you're a 7'3 guy playing on the perimeter, and so you're going to put the ball on the deck sometimes, and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to take guys off the dribble. And he had that ability, but is a 7'3 person built, you know, really constructed to move that way? Is that too much strain on, on, your, on your joints? And lo and behold, we've seen the injuries come into play. Maybe Phil Jackson was right to have those concerns back in the day. Um, again, all that said, some guys get hurt earlier in their career, and we start writing them off, and we say, well, that's it, that, you know, but then, then you go for another five, 10 years injury free. It can happen. Um, and ACLs aren't as devastating today as they once were. So I, there's still an upside there. There's still potential for him to be the player that everybody saw before he went down in New York and the player that we've seen flashes of in Dallas. But at the moment, that's a lot of money to have tied up in a guy who does not look like a qualified co-star to Luka Doncic. Do you think two years from now he's on the roster alongside Luca? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, 
How many years are left on his deal? Three. 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 Yeah. I mean, two years is, is when if if he doesn't stay healthy and or if he doesn't evolve and get back to a certain level, two years from now is when the deal starts to look more palatable for a trade. But of course, as we've already seen, look, Chris Paul was supposed to be untradeable and got traded for Russell Westbrook, who was supposed to be untradeable, who got traded for John Wall, who was supposed to be untradeable. And now Westbrook has also been traded again. Um, <laughs> So um, the, I, I think while there's no like clear demand for Kristaps Porzingis right now, he, he's not untradeable. I don't know if you, at, at minimum, you want him to be a neutral asset. You don't want to have yeah. to, you don't want to have to package picks or something to get off the contract. Um, so I think he's there at least another season because you need that time for him to show who he is, either his value to you as the Mavericks or his value to the marketplace as you yeah. try to find a different player. If I had to predict, I think he's still there in two years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that became a, a dominant, I mean, it's always going to be a dominant storyline when you pair two young cornerstones together on any roster, but just this past season on top of health, there were, you know, some off the court chemistry stuff and comments and people really looking into body language during the game. And, but it's like you said, it's like, if, even if the Mavericks wanted to trade him right now, when you're looking at his value, that's, considering all the health stuff it there's it's gonna have to take some time for value to be built back up for him and yeah and as far as the chemistry stuff goes i mean look you're talking to the guy who spent seven years with Shaq and kobe <laughs> so i mean I, I i saw the best and the worst of that up close and the the main takeaway there is though eventually it was destined to crash and burn spectacularly uh, they did win for three championships first and go to four finals in, in five years and so you don't have to love each other you have to respect each other's games you have to know how to work off of each other even at times of tension and and bring out the best in each other and they can do that um and we've seen that again in flashes yeah so you know i don't i don't know that that's as big of a, of a concern i'd be more concerned with porzingis's health um his body overall where he's playing is he a four or a five is he willing to play more of the five because i think he's more dangerous there and and can he just get back to a level? I mean, most of this is on Porzingis. I mean, to an extent, you know, look, we could say some of it is bad luck. It's 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 body, it's health, but a lot of it is on him. He's in charge of his conditioning and his strength and his overall evolution as a player. Take one more break. I'm gonna ask Howard a few questions about the offseason. Guys, let me tell you about Rock Auto. It feels like there are a million makes and models of cars out there. Literally, there's a, probably a million different types of cars out there. And the last thing I want to do, and the last thing I think you guys want to do, especially with busy schedules, is try to track down individual shops to go to and take your car and scheduling and all of that. So why not use Rock Auto? Rock Auto is the perfect solution for your car parts at the tip of your fingers. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from your chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, uh, even new carpet in cars. This is the place, Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, so going into this offseason for the Mavericks, what did you think that they would do 
And what did you hear that you thought that, yeah, what did the league think that they would do this offseason? It's funny because Dallas should be a destination, but we've gone how many years now of them trying to be a free agent player? A lot. Going all the way back to Cuban's ill-fated decision to break up the championship team, thinking, no, 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 no. Gonna be a lockout. Hey, they're bringing the championship team back together, just in the organization, <laughs> in different ways now. There's a few of them around. Uh, bring bring Jason Terry back. Um, so, you know, free agency is 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 not a panacea in this league, and it's no guarantee. And a lot of teams have had to learn that the hard way. Hell, the Lakers had to learn that the hard way for multiple years before LeBron finally came. The Knicks have had to learn that the hard way multiple years. So. The Mavericks, it's that's been that's been tough for them. They were right to put themselves in play for Giannis conceptually, just mm -hmm. as Miami was, um, just as other teams that got burned by that. Like you do it for a reason, and it, it's still the right move to to have made to to hold that cap room. And then you start getting to Plan Bs and Plan Cs, and Kawhi gets hurt, and Kawhi's not leaving LA anyway, and Kyle Lowry chooses Miami. It wasn't a great free agent class. We know that. There are other ways to use your cap room creatively, but there still has to be a trade partner out there to, to want to make a lopsided deal or whatever. I would just say as we sit here on August 20th that the offseason still got some ways to go. There's still the possibility, whether that's for a Dragic deal that has not yet materialized or something else. Um, you know, I'm not the first to say this, but, you know, Clearly, one of their offseason priorities needed to be another playmaker so that you're not leaning on and burning out Doncic to the same extent. And they haven't accomplished that yet. So is there still another move to be made there, whether it's Dragic or someone else? But I don't know that this roster is is substantially better than what it was other than good health, right? Like you had a bunch of guys who got hurt last year. You had COVID issues last year. Um, Powell was only a year removed from his own injury at that time. So, again, he's got a healthy offseason to <laughs> – yeah get his body right too. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's still some time here for them to make some improvements around the margins. I don't expect, you know, Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard is going to fall from the sky and land in their lap tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but I think they played the off season the way that, that they had to. I think that Nico Harrison coming into a plan that was already laid out, right? Oh, this is our, this is our cap room summer. This is our Giannis summer. Well, obviously that was by the wayside long before Nico was hired, but okay, now what do you do with that cap room in a free agent class that doesn't really have a lot of available high-end talent? Um, so I understand if it's disappointing, but listen, if winning the offseason meant giving you know a, a huge contract to Kyle Lowry as Miami did, and I'm one of those, look, I, I love Kyle Lowry and I love Miami getting him. And I think it's perfect for them. And I think Miami could be top three in the East now because of him. But it is also a risk. Like we all have to acknowledge if there's risk baked in because of his age and miles. And that could end up being, you know, a benefit to Dallas ultimately. Maybe that would have been a celebrated move that backfires. Who knows? Mm. Um, but there's some time to go here yet. Let Nico Harrison and Michael Finley and advisors, consultants, whatever Dirk is, uh, <laughs> you know, scour the market for another six weeks here and see what they come up with. If they could somehow pull off Larry Markin and do you think he fits? Do you think it would be worth it? You know, it's funny because I alluded earlier to the idea that Phil Jackson at one point was looking to, or at least open to trading Porzingis. And one of the reports, the rumblings at the time were that he was going to trade 
uh, Porzingis to Chicago for the pick that would be used for Markkinen, or maybe it was just a move up in the draft to get Markkinen. It might not have specific, specifically been Chicago's pick, but there was a Porzingis Markkinen thing at the time, which I remember because it sticks out because they're both you know white European dudes who yeah. shoot from the outs, who are you know big men who shoot uh, three pointers. Um, I think it'd be a weird fit. You know, I, like defensively, I don't think you want them out there together. Um, neither of them is going to guard inside much. Although Porzingis at his best is a, is a you know a great shot blocker. Uh, he's not the guy that you want you know banging on Joel Embiid you know all of two times a year or on Jokic maybe four times a year. Um, so I, I think that would be a weird fit. That would if they make that move, that feels more like a we let's get him because we can and because our team is incomplete and because oh what the hell it's it's always great to have another. Uh, big man who can shoot out there and who has more to, he has more to his skill set than just that, obviously. And let's see how he evolves under our watch. And Hey, if he really pops, maybe he's the ticket to us unloading Porzingis. I don't mean um, yeah. using him to induce another team. I mean, he's the Porzingis replacement. So may maybe it's one of those, it's just an opportunistic move to see, you know, who the long-term piece ends up being. Last question for you. If they could pull off Dragic or another playmaker, where where would you put Dallas in the West next year? And if they're tiers or yeah. wherever it is, do you think they're higher than where they were last year? Or like what would be, yeah, how would you view them? I don't know that they're going to crack the top four. Like that's yeah. a lot to ask. And and granted, things are a little fluid there. So let's let's go through it. The Lakers are definitely top four given health. And at this stage of the year, you always have to say given health. Like you assume health. Yeah. Aside from guys who you know are missing part of the season, right? I'm not assuming Kawhi Leonard's returning anytime soon. Jamal Murray's injury was before Kawhi Leonard's by a substantial margin. So I'm I'm actually thinking Jamal Murray returns sometime during the year. Hmm. But Kawhi doesn't necessarily. But so you've got the Lakers in the top four. I think Phoenix stays up there. I think Utah stays up there. So you've got three that I think are pretty decent bets to still be there. Yeah. Does Denver make it with only a half season or less of Jamal Murray? I would lean toward them doing it. I would lean toward the combination of Jokic, a full year of Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. making another leap potentially. I think Denver can can still be a top four team. Paul George looked really good after Kawhi <laughs> yeah. Leonard went down. Like as a, oh, I need to carry it? Okay, that's fine. I can be number one. And especially during the regular season, and the, and the, the Clippers had a, had a, a decent offseason. Otherwise, they'll still be in the mix for the top four. And I haven't even gotten to the Warriors and, you know, a presumably healthy Clay Thompson. So is Dragic enough to vault the Mavs? I don't see it. Yeah. But all those, a lot of those teams I just mentioned have their own caveats. So it's not impossible. Now, you just wanted to end the podcast on a sad note. I was waiting for a... Hey, Dragic would put them in the top of the West next. <laughs> I would love to see, look. I love Dragic as a player, and he's a great dude, and he's a he's great with the media. Um, and I think he'd he'd be a, an excellent acquisition for the Mavs. Like I, I would celebrate that move for them. That's a, that's a that's definitely a positive. But he's got a lot of miles and on him too. So um, no, he's not he's not the one that that catapults the Mavericks into title contention. I don't think. I think that's a bit of a stretch, a little bit too much to put on Goran Dragic. Well, Slovenia fan, we have a lot of Slovenian listeners that, especially after the Olympic run, we uh, we did a lot of post game pods for the Olympic games, and uh, yeah, so Slovenia is going to be excited if Dragic comes to Dallas, especially amazing. Igor too. You know, Igor 
Kukoskov hop, hopping on board, kid staff, and looking like that's going to be happening soon. So, Howard, thank you so much for hopping on, talking Mavs, talking Luca, the offseason, Jason Kidd. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know if you, you're a fan of the NBA, you're listening to the crossover with Howard and Chris Mannix. Is there a regular schedule or yeah. I just wait for it to pop up on my phone whenever there's a new episode? No, appreciate the plugs. Yeah, no, it is on a regular schedule. Every Tuesday, it's Chris Mannix and me doing just NBA chatter, the usual punditry. Um, and then it runs again on Fridays, which is me solo hosting along with a guest. And I'll bring through players, coaches, actors, musicians, it, 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 as long as they've got some kind of, of tenuous tie to the NBA, they'll, they just have to be an NBA fan and yeah. they qualify to be a, a guest on, on, on the podcast on the Friday version. So Tuesdays and Fridays, the crossover podcast. And if anybody wants to uh, scream at me or say hello on Twitter, I'm at Howard Beck. So. Well, you're, so when I think of sports illustrated, I think of Lee Jenkins and that was like one of my like my favorite writers back in, in me back too in the day and so now you've now it's like oh, okay now one of my favorites has moved to SI and it's like it's like moving passing of the torch some so appreciate yeah. that yeah Lee, Lee Jenkins and I who did overlap at the New York Times for about maybe a year or two before SI poached him back in the day so we were we were teammates for a time and uh Lee's one of the all-time greats man uh great dude incredible writer uh to this day I'm like I'm so happy for him because he's got this really cool gig that none of us can quite define. Because I know, I was like, why don't we even know what it is? <laughs> he's working for the Clippers in the front office doing I, I don't know what, um, but I'm sure it's great. Um, but man, like I, I selfishly, I just I, I miss reading him and and seeing his stuff. So um, I would, uh, you know, I'm 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 rooting for him always, but I hope someday we see Lee Jenkins' uh, byline in print again. Yes. All right, Howard. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.